You know, this morning as we uh, share, uh, just want to encourage you next week, uh, we begin <clears throat> Sunday evening, Monday evening, Tuesday evening, and uh, Thursday evening as evenings of prayer. Wednesday night, there'll be family night here for everybody, but on those other nights, we are inviting you to come and join uh, others uh, for a time of prayer. And if you've never come out for a week of prayer, we encourage you to do so this year. Uh, because we want to start this year off right, right? We don't want to start it off talking big and, uh, you know, having a, a, small, uh, a small commitment to prayer because, uh, you know, talk doesn't provide the substitute for seeking God. And uh, the devil sees through that. He sees through the talk. Amen? I'm only asking you to agree with the fact that I'm not empowering the devil in our midst. I'm just simply saying that he does seek to uh, lead us. He sees through those things. We understand we have an enemy who is not uh, unprepared, but yet he's conquered in Jesus' name, and I'm glad for that. And so I'm going to walk in the Lord's wisdom so I'm ready when, when he... Um, when he uh, tries to uh, affront what God purposes to do in my life and yours. But today we're going to talk just for a few moments about uh, prayer. And, uh, t- you know, this is the official <coughs> for Bethel a call to prayer, uh, prayer and uh, fasting. We trust that perhaps tomorrow or sometime this week you would uh, commit to uh, uh, fasting and prayer throughout the month of January. And, uh, you know, you can pray and you can fast in manners that may suit you well. You know, I always think that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily everybody has to do the same thing, but everybody has to be in agreement. There has to be a point of agreement. And, you know, if you do a full fast uh, with um, water or, you know, some limited dietary things, that's fine. If you you know, however you do it, if you fast uh, every other day, if you fast a meal a day and spend that time in prayer, whatever you choose to do, however you choose to do it, uh, we're going to focus together on praying for the advancement of the church of Christ. We want to see Bethel have the best year it's ever had. Amen? And uh, that, not on our terms, but in God's um, view. Uh, So today we're talking about prayer, and some of this we've uh, scripture that we've gone over here during the holidays and uh, Christmas season. And uh, prayer is as much a calling as uh, any other ministry is. Uh, it's uh, actually becomes, uh, what becomes visible is the evidence or the lack thereof of prayer. You know, so behind every effective thing that advances in our lives personally and with regard to the church, it's all going to happen, uh, you know, really because we have um, facilitated it through prayer. We've allowed God to reveal and to work in our lives. And, you know, I, a lot of times we pray for things. We pray for God uh, to turn the heart of a nation toward God. And I believe that's really a good way to pray. But uh, I believe that prayer must affect change in each of us personally. Uh, that's where the real change begins, uh, that all of us are changed personally through our time in prayer, and uh, that it has such a powerful impact in our lives that, um, you know, our prayers become even more effective. 
You know, when we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ and the Holy Spirit is just taking us to places we've not been yet in the Spirit, you know, we're going to find that our prayers are, are, uh, are certainly powerful. And so uh, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our righteousness is centered in Christ. It's not so much that, uh, you know, that, that we are right, uh, righteous apart from Christ, but we are righteous in Christ. Uh, we stand in his righteousness. We live in that and dwell. And we can expect to pray effectual prayers that work and avail. Uh, so, before there is released an effectual working in prayer beyond us, there must be an effectual uh, change in us. Nehemiah was an intercessor. Abraham was an intercessor. The widow at the temple uh, was a woman who was consumed in prayerful anticipation of the Messiah. She was a woman of prayer and fasting. Uh, Daniel's life was an extension of his prayer life. Uh, Paul prayed pastoral prayers for the churches uh, that served, uh, were served by his apostleship. Uh, the early church was a corporate uh, body of prayer, and, and, and they fat prayed and fasted. They sought God. They uh, met for prayer. Uh, they prayed focused prayers. They prayed as led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, whatever is conceived in prayer is birthed in the Spirit. It centers in Christ. It glorifies God. It changes the one praying. Uh, it is the channel through which the vision is released. It moves things in the spiritual realm and changes the natural realm to more fully accommodate the supernatural. And it advances God's will in and through each one of us together. And uh, so Luke chapter 2, verse 36 says, Now uh, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And in coming in that instant, she gave thanks uh, to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jesus Christ. Number one, Anna certainly, as the scripture says, was a prophetess. And uh, she's really uh, the only named female prophetess in the New Testament. So when we look at Anna, she was a person of significance. She was a senior. Uh, she had been married for uh, a while, uh, I believe seven years, and then she became uh, a widow. And so, you know, there is some discussion as to whether she was actually 84 or she had been a widow for 84 years. So, uh, you know, when you look at it, if she were 84 years old or, or she was 105, it really... You know, she was still very active in her prayer life, and her presence in the temple was noted daily. You know, she was a person who was a fixture in the temple of God. And so I look at this woman's life, and I realize that God uses people who would otherwise be insignificant to bring forth some tremendous challenges for all of us. You know, Anna arrives at the time of pur the purification of Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the temple uh, 40 days after Jesus' birth. You know, this was a scene that was repeated over and over again in Israel Israelite culture. Uh, for the law required a sacrifice of a lamb or two pigeons or two doves 
after a son's birth. And during this time of purification, which was unlike any other, Simeon came and he spoke over and blessed the Lord and spoke a prophetic word over the Lord. And Anna uh, came and they came, in, they came independently and yet they were both joined in desire for the Messiah to come. And so, uh, you know, as Simeon also was an older man, uh, he prayed and said, now sovereign Lord, you can let your servant depart in peace. He prophesies that the child in his arm is God's salvation, prepared in the sight of all, a light of the revelation for the Gentiles and for glory to uh, your people Israel. You know, so as we look at that, we also note that Anna is called a prophetess. You know, she was a person to whom God revealed things. It's great to see you today, by the way. I can, I can see you pretty well there. You know who I'm talking to, right? Yeah, good to have you here today. Amen. Well, as we, uh, we look at the, um, the Scripture here, we see that Anna was uh, regarded as a prophet, and she may have outranked Simeon, uh, though some believe that Simeon could have been a priest of some type, but because but he holds the baby Jesus and he blesses. But Anna receives insight from the Lord. And uh, how many know that... The, you and I must have insight and discernment every day. This can't, you know, people say, give me, I want the gift of discernment. I, I pray that everyone desires the gift of discernment, you know, because uh, you can't really, you can't navigate this life in this world without discernment. You can't. Uh, it's impossible. So, and I realize that there's an elevation of discernment when the gift is being used in, in specific instances, but God desires that all of us be wise and discerning and that we know the truth, that we're not led astray by falsehoods and lies, that we're not, you know, we're not compelled to follow something that's false and untrue. So this woman was a woman who freely heard from God. And we need to hear from God, all of us, you know, not just in the corporate setting, because I believe that God is going to show us things that uh, might be seated in the corporate setting, and they may be launched in the corporate setting, but they are going to explode into the private sectors of life, and they are going to impact and affect the world around us. That's how it has to happen. You know, it can't stay here. This is, this is wonderful what God does on a, on a day when we come together and we worship the Lord jointly and corporately, but it's not meant to stay here. It is a, it is a, it is a seeding time. It is a time uh, uh, when the Holy Spirit waters the things that have been seeded. It's a time for growth and advancement so that we can go out and take this gospel out, outside the building. Beyond the shadow of the steeple. See, you know, we don't win the world beneath the shadow of the steeple. We affect the world when we get out from beyond the shadow of the steeple, out in the tributaries of life, and we meet people where they are, with the Word of God and with Holy Spirit authority. So when we look at this scripture today, God wants to give all of His church the capability of hearing Him speak so that the church can speak into the culture and the world that we live in. God wants you and I to hear what he is speaking, and he wants us to be his mouthpieces. 
You say, well, do I have to have an official appointment to be used in any type of prophetic word or anything that God would release? You have the authority in Jesus' name, and you are given the gift that God has endowed to you to speak the word that he's given. And so as you and I walk out of this place, we got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm, I'm not, I think we minimize that sometimes because, you know, we get this conception that church can't handle what the Holy Spirit would, would bring into a church service, and that's a bad way to look at things. Because there is no church without Holy, the Holy Spirit, Right? How many of you know there's no church? You just, you and I are doing our thing. We're not doing his thing without the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if it, it starts on cue and ends on cue and everything in between seems to work just so sweetly together. If God's Spirit and his Word are not central in it, you know, we, we, uh, you know we're, not really doing, we're not doing what God has purposed for us to do. We're not facilitating what God desires to reveal and to do in our lives. So, you know, uh, um, Anna was a, a woman whose life, who, whose life was filled with the Holy Spirit revelation, and she spoke, and God spoke through her. People who are living in the fullness of the Spirit are people of prayer. You know, people of prayer, because, you know, I believe, and uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was a a teenager, filled with the Holy Spirit, saved as a teenager, filled with the Holy Spirit uh, shortly thereafter. God called and confirmed his calling upon my life. And all of it was so critically enunciated by the Holy Spirit. It was all spoken, and, and God revealed it to my life in such a way that it went beyond my understanding into my spirit. And so much of what we, see, we, we want to do is to meet people in their, in their heads. And God says, no, I want it to go beyond that. I want, it to, I want transformation to explode internally within every person who's part of the body of Christ. I want to do a work that's deeper, stronger, higher, more powerful than stimulating someone's intellect. I need my intellect stimulated. I find that more and more all the time. But, you know, I need more than just the knowledge of God. Come on, church. You know, the devil has a lot of knowledge. The demons of hell have a lot of knowledge. But it's not good. It, that knowledge, as we know, it is not, not a knowledge, an intimate knowledge at born of relationship. It is a knowledge that simply can be uh, gained through watching and observing. And we have to have more going on in our hearts than what we can see with our uh, eyes, hear with our ears, touch with our hands, smell with our noses, and taste with our mouths. We can't be limited to our five senses. Because, you know, that, that puts God in a box. And God so many times is saying, hey, I don't live in your box. I'm not following after you. You're walking with me and my signs follow you, but I'm not following you. You're following me. And if we're following the Lord, the signs will follow. Amen? You say, well, that's, that was for then. You know, I don't live in a Bible that is for then. I live in a word that is for then, now, and forever. Anna was old by life expectancy standards. Somebody told me that life expectancy 
has dropped to 76. Is that true? I don't know. I, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I was kind of doing some math. I got, that means I have, you know, well, who knows. But anyhow, somebody said, oh, it's dropped to 76. Well, re- regardless of what it is, I want to live to the finish, and I want to run over, over that line well. I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit when I leave this world that the transition will, will be seamless from here to there. How many want to believe that way? So full of the Holy Spirit that when God says it's time to come home, you know, we're not, there's not some abrupt change that takes place that we're just ready to slide right on into what God has made for us. And I've been with people who have lived that life. You know, I had, uh, uh, you know I've had people tell me, I'm ready to go. You don't need to pray for my healing. <laughs> You say, well, shouldn't we always pray? And I did anyhow, but I mean, uh, you know, the thing is, they want, the, the desire to go home was stronger than the desire to stay. And I had somebody that had it all said, uh, you know, they were so excited about going. And they just couldn't wait to, to go. And I thought, man, God, I, I want to be like that. I don't want there to be an inch of reluctance in me that says, well, Lord, I need to hang on for one more moment. I want to be ready to go. How about you? You want to, you're, When your time comes. I'm not saying nobody, nobody's going to run out purposely in front of a train or, uh, or jump off a building or anything crazy like that. But I, I just want to be what Paul, Paul knew, that it was better to be with Christ. And so, you know, Anna lived an old life, and during her 84 years or whatever she actually lived, she had been widowed for a good part of her life, and she remained unmarried, and she was strongly devoted to prayer and fasting as she desired to see the coming of the Messiah. You know, she desired to see the Lord, and, and the desire to see the Lord really needs to drive what we do. It needs to be the locomotion in our spirit that compels us in everything we do because we want to see him every day and ultimately we want to see him face to face. And she desired to see the Lord and she was committed to prayer and fasting and sold out and God honored that. That God didn't miss that. You know, there were probably people who saw her around the temple all the time and said, yeah, it's Anna, it's her. She's here all the time. She's one of these fanatics. She prays all day, every day. Of course, she doesn't work. She's a widow. She can do that. And they were, but God takes note of it. He took note of the widow with two mites and two coins and who had given and he said gave more than the rest. God took note of the Macedonian church who gave out of their poverty and beyond their ability. Because God takes note of those kind of things when people commit to something in a manner that would seem extreme to the world. Anna touched, had, had been touched and her life impacted by grief. Uh, but it, it was not a grief that destroyed her. She did not allow grief to write the end of her story. She actually embraced a higher calling following the death of her husband. She simply had more time to do what she most valued, and that was to seek God and to wait in earnest for the Messiah. She was not a passive seeker. She sought him with diligence. Her heart yearned for the Lord. And you know, as much as we want revival, we've got to want the Lord much more. 
Because when you seek first his kingdom, right, uh, all these things shall be added. Whatever God purposes and desires to release can be released into our lives when we seek him with all of our hearts. Some see adversity as the end of the book, and often it becomes uh, that when it was only intended to be the end of a chapter. God has a next chapter for all of us. Anna was a continual presence in the temple. She was either known to be in the temple day, day by day, or was given special accommodations at the temple because she was a woman and a prophetess who was always in prayer in the temple. Anna's life was one of prayer and fastings. You know, prayer and fasting is connected, right? It's not disjointed. They're not two separate things. Because when they become two separate things, what happens is we fast maybe to lose weight as opposed to seeking the will of God. You know what I mean by that? When it becomes solely uh, two different things, we're just fasting. That self-denial is good. That separation is good. That that laying our soul before the Lord that he might fill us and take us deeper and reveal to us things is wonderful. But prayer is the companion to fasting, not simply two um, disjointed uh, um, operations. Prayer is seeking, listening, waiting, pursuing God, and surrendering to Him. Some would see this as a boring and wasted life. In reality, a life that's, uh, the, the, uh, it is a life that God speaks into. It's a life that God reveals things to. It's a life through which God moves and does great things. It is a hungry, thirsty life that is only satisfied in Christ. I'm going to ask Tammy to come. You know, the New Testament... Uh, Scriptures talk about fasting, and there are different types of fast, different purposes for fasting. And some say, well, we don't need to fast anymore. Uh, Jesus came. Well, if that's the case, the New Testament church missed the memo. Because the New Testament church was purposed, they purposed to fast. They waited upon the Lord, and we'll share that with you. First of all, we see in Jesus' life, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And God, and God, that was a time of, of preparation. It was a time where God was being prepared. And in just a moment, we're going to take communion, and we're always being made ready for something. And communion is the, signifies the foundation for everything else that we do. It's who we are, who we're with, who we're connected to. The Bible says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Fasting is never a spectator sport. It's something that cannot, you know, like anything, prayer, fasting, giving, doing, all of those things can be exploited by the flesh. And so that's why we have to really consistently bow our hearts before the Lord in everything we do. Because there were those who prayed and fast and gave who really felt like that commended them before all others. And Jesus looked right through it and he said, that's no good. And he said, you shouldn't do that. Mark 9, Jesus looking at the disciples says, this this kind comes out uh, by nothing but prayer and fasting. And Luke 5, 33 says, then they said to him, why did the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and like those of the Pharisees, yours eat and drink. And you know, 
Jesus made a point to them that as long as the bridegroom was present, they would not fast, but there would come a day when they would fast because they were longing for the return of the bridegroom to come. And you know, we're living in that day where we're, we, we have to have a longing for the coming of Christ. That doesn't mean that we crawl in a hole and hide. It doesn't mean that we insulate ourselves from the world. It means that we are righteously involved with a heavenly focus and an earthly compassion toward others that manifests itself on earth. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other tax collector. And we know the Pharisee commended himself in Luke 18 and boasted of all that he had done. And again, we're not, we always have to be careful before the Lord that we don't do anything to be seen, that we don't do anything for self-promotion, that we don't have hidden agendas in what we do. Ananias and Sapphira played, paid a terrible price for presenting an image of something that wasn't true, that was a lie. And obviously they did so because they wanted people to think something other than what was actually happening. So we want our hearts to be laid bare before the Lord and all. This widow had fasted and it was a lifestyle, not something she did on occasion, but prayer and fasting became a lifestyle. And God help us that prayer and fasting in our personal lives will be a lifestyle and not simply something that we do at the beginning of a year or during significant times when we, we do that. In the New Testament, in Acts 13, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting and committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Jesus fasted in preparation for what God had called him to do on earth. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted for the elders of the church before committing them to the Lord in Acts 14. Certainly fasting is associated at times with grief. Nehemiah mourned and fasted and prayed when he learned Jerusalem's walls had remained broken. To seek deliverance and protection, Ezra declared a corporate fast and prayed for a safe journey for the Israelites as they made the 900-mile trek to Jerusalem from Babylon. Fasting is associated with repentance. Uh, fasting is, uh, Lord, it, it opens, um, brings us into alignment where God can lead us victoriously. After losing 40,000 men in battle in two days, the Israelites cried out to God for help. And all the people went up to Bethel and sat weeping before the Lord. They also fasted that day until evening. Anna fasted as she worshiped God. She was a prophet, and prophesying involves foretelling. It involves speaking words of counsel and wisdom and encouragement and, and truth. It's a word of encouragement. It's exhortation that draws from its revelation, draws from the revelation knowledge given by God. 
Her prophetical voice spoke of Christ. Her ministry and her life focused on Christ. We're going to, in just a moment, we're going to take communion here. But I'm going to ask you today to make a personal commitment. We're corporately challenging from myself to you, all of us corporately here online, uh, uh, you to join in a month of prayer and fasting and seeking God, that God's, uh, God will advance His church on the local level and uh, in the national level in the world, the global world. You know, there's so many things advancing, and uh, we want God's church to advance. God wants His church to advance. And Lord, we're praying and opening our hearts before you that we might see the advancement of your kingdom in our lives, in the corporate life of the church. Lord, we ask uh, today that you would just cleanse our hearts, Lord, from anything, Lord, that may be, uh, uh, Lord, held on to that needs to be released. Lord, any of the things that, Lord God, would inhibit us for bringing our flesh under subjection to the Holy Spirit and to the authority of the Word of God, we lay it aside. And we are given grace and we are given mercy as the children of God. We walk in that grace. We walk in that mercy. And Lord, we don't take for granted the goodness of God. Lord, as we take uh, uh, just measure of of what happened when Jesus uh, offered communion or he offered the bread and the wine on that supper the night before he was betrayed as he took bread and he gave thanks And he broke that bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Lord, he offered it to them. And Father, uh, Lord, it's significant that the body of Christ was uh, in reality broken. Not that necessarily his bones were broken, but his body was battered and broken uh, for our redemption. And Lord, we, we look at ourselves and Lord, I realize that I walk in joy, in the fullness of joy. I walk in peace. I'm a child of God. But Lord, I I desire, Lord God, to know what that brokenness is in my life. The brokenness that weeps over those who don't know Christ. Those who look over uh, those who don't know Jesus, Lord God. Rather than looking at them and hating upon them and judging them and damning them to uh, judgment, Lord, I pray today that our hearts would be broken. In the sense, Lord God, that you grieve that no man be lost, that no uh, person be lost, that none, Lord God, would live a life being ruined and wrecked by hell. Lord, when we see those who are bound by addictions and those who are bound, Lord God, one way or another in life, those whose lives have been, Lord, demolished, Lord, don't ever allow us to become indifferent toward that. Sweet Holy Spirit, minister to us in a way, Lord God, that reveals as you desire, Lord God, those things that will help us to have the heart that Jesus has toward those who are broken. As Jesus offered his body, it was an indication of his willing brokenness on behalf of all who needed redemption. And Lord God, we know that that is the ultimate sacrifice. No man will ever have to die to secure that again. 
But Lord God, we want to be in union with that sacrifice. We want to be in union with the Spirit of Christ that gave all. As Jesus took bread and he gave it to his disciples, I invite you to join in taking this bread today. Lord, I pray the blood of Jesus will not merely, Lord, brush against my life, but Lord God, my life would be immersed in the blood of Christ. Because the blood speaks out and it says, it declares greater love. It declares a covering and a a redemption, Lord God. And Lord, I realize one drop of your blood can change every life on the planet. But Lord, our desire is to be fully saturated in the reality of what that blood has done and does for us. And the blood that was shed for our redemption and just brings us into the righteousness of Christ and we stand forgiven and justified through the blood of Christ. Lord, it's your desire that the whole world know that, that they experience the grace of God that brings Lord, a broken soul into wholeness, a shattered life into a place of restoration. As Jesus, after supper, took the cup, he said, this is the new uh, covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So today, Lord, we are remembering, not only remembering, Lord God, but we're living in it. We will walk in it in the truth of what that blood has secured for us. Thank you, Lord. You died a death for me that I should have died and could not, Lord. You paid a price for me that I should have paid and could not. Lord, you did all that I could not do so that I could become all that apart from you I could never become. But in you, Lord, I am a child of God. We take this cup in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I ask if you'd just stand with us here together today as we we wind down here. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Give him thanks for the goodness that he affords us, the kindness he shows us, the love. Lord, we just pray that there'll be a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. An Acts 2, an Acts 10, an Acts 19 outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this modern day. That Lord, the heavens would open. And the Holy Spirit would just be poured forth, Lord, upon this body. And we'd all be receiving the Holy Spirit. Lord, the people will be filled with the Holy Spirit in their cars. Lord God, in their bedrooms, in their bathrooms, Lord God. At the dining room table, Lord God. While they're they're shoveling snow. And Lord, when the spring and summer comes, cutting grass. Lord, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, where all of a sudden, Lord, the heavens descend upon us. And Lord, the words that we speak will no longer be understood by us, but they will be nourishment to our spirit. As we are drawn into that prayer language, into that fullness of the Holy Spirit, as we are brought into the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Lord, take away the anemia, the substitutions, Lord, the mere reproductions, the attempts at reproducing, Lord God the orchestrations that try to take the place of the move of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we yield to you today.
Thank you for Anna, Lord God. Thank you for Simeon. Thank you, Lord God, for the people who would otherwise hold a a very small or maybe non-existent spot in our conversations. But Lord, you brought them to the forefront when you placed their narrative in your divine word. And Lord, we thank you for Anna. I pray there'll be people in this church. Lord God, they'll come to a week of prayer. But they're going to live, they're going to just walk into this next chapter and allow Jesus to transform their lives into a a daily walk of prayer, a daily, a a regular time of, of fasting and separation unto the Lord. As Tammy uh, leads us in these songs, one thing occurred to me when I was thinking about this last evening uh, with prayer and fasting. Um, um, You know, it would be much easier for us if we said to everybody, we're going to take a month and we're going to eat ourselves into oblivion. It's a month of eating anything you want, everything you want. I think we might have done that, but... Uh, but I mean, it would be, it would be, you know, everybody, all I'm all for that. Let's do it. But any type of self-denial is an effort. Any type of saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we don't win brownie points with God. We don't do this to win brownie points with God. I want to encourage you, please go home and read Isaiah 58. It talks about the type of fast that God honors. I want to encourage you, because I'm not going to keep you. Isaiah 58, please go home and read that chapter. Because uh, the Lord talks about fasting, and he talks about the kind of fasting that he accepts. And so it would be a great devotion, a great challenge. How many, you'll, you'll make an effort to read Isaiah 58. You'll go home and read Isaiah 58 as we begin this journey of prayer and fasting here. And uh, so if you don't know Jesus, today's the best time to say, hey, uh, I, need, I, need, I need hope. I need to feel better about the person I am, not just by the way I feel, but to know inside that the things that are broken are, are being healed. And God is giving me hope. And I feel like I'm a new person and I have, a, I, I'm awakened to something beyond the bad dreams that have governed my life. Lord, we pray today if there be anybody who doesn't know Jesus in this room, online, Lord God, that doesn't know the Lord Jesus, that today, Lord, we would say, I know about him, I've heard about him, Uh, I've even gone to church and maybe at one point committed to a path that I'm not walking on today. Lord, I, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me because I believe what you did on the cross afforded me that grace. And Lord, your blood has secured the payment for my freedom and my salvation and I receive the freedom I receive the lifting of the guilt and the condemnation from the sins of the old man old person and I receive the newness that Christ gives when he's invited to be savior and Lord I invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill that void in my heart and in my life that nothing else can fill And I thank you and I receive it, Lord God. I believe according to your word that as I uh, believe in my heart upon the Lord Jesus Christ and 
and, 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 and I believe that you have been raised from the dead. And with my mouth, I make that profession of faith before God. I am saved. I am saved. If you made that commitment, please share that with somebody. You've got to tell somebody that. That's good news. If you won the lotto, you would tell somebody. Just not in church because you're not supposed to play the lotto. No, I'm just kidding. But we'll take your tithe anyhow. So anyhow, so anyhow, um, this morning as we sing, just this is a new year. It's a new day. It's a new chapter. It's a fresh beginning. Let's take advantage of this and say to this year with God is going to be the best year ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.